Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you have your Bibles with you each and every week, um, there's nothing like hearing the pages of God's Word being turned together. I know we have iPads and OPads and EPads and all the pads that you can get your Bible on, and I've just not been able to bring myself to bring up an iPad and, and try to preach from you from a piece of equipment. I love technology. My wife will tell you it's, it's kind of a hobby for me. But I love God's Word. I love to hold it in my hand and know that the battery's never going to run out and that all I have to do is turn the next page. So make sure you bring your Bibles. Make sure that your preacher knows what he's talking about. If he doesn't, you can talk with me after the service. If you spot something wrong, uh, feel free to uh, be incorrect yourself if you want, but uh, I'll, I'll try to make sure I, I get it right. But if I don't, you have the Word of God uh, on your lap, and uh, you can make sure your preacher gets it right. Job chapter 2, we're going to look at the results of life's trials. I, I, you know, I, you turn on the news and all we are seeing is destruction and despair in our country. And there are, um, there are people putting their faith and trust in things they've probably never even thought of before. I know it would be easy for me to preach to those that are suffering and saying you need to put your trust and faith in Jesus first. The difference is, is the, the waters are rising in their life. They're not rising in my life. So I could help them. I could pray for them. I could give financially to, to help them. But there will be results of life's trials. Trials come and go. We all go through them. They are unavoidable. I guess the question to you this morning is, is how do you respond to the trials of life when they come? How are we to respond? What, what are the results of these trials that come our way? Well, Scripture gives us an answer, and there's probably no better Scripture than in the book of Job. Job was an amazing character who went through something I pray none of us would ever have to go through. But we also see the results of his trial. And, and by the time we say amen to the end of this message and we leave, I pray that you'll understand that, that trials will come. They are unavoidable. But how we are to respond to those trials by faith will bring great purpose and meaning to the end result of that trial that you go through. I guess when physical waters arise in your life, you're not so focused on what is in the house, you're focused on what needs to get out of the house, amen? Your family, your pets, your loved ones, and, and all of a sudden the priorities of the home are not so important. The priority changes from the physical part of the home. Yes, I know they don't want their homes to be flooded. They don't want their, their roofs to be blown off. I understand that. I get that. But the immediate priority is what? It's not the home. It's getting out of that home, that place of security. And then going and finding another place of security. That one place that was their place of security is not so secure anymore, amen? That reminds you and I that ultimately our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ, not in the security of others or the security of things because what we are seeing on a daily basis is those things can vanish and go away. Nothing like changing your priority when a storm comes your way. I want you to look at Job chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 7, and I'm going to read to verse 13. 
Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and inflicted Job with painful sores. Now let me give you, let me give you a running start up to that point. Uh, Satan is in, in the heavens with God and, and, and the Lord speaks first to Satan and says, Have you seen my, my servant Job faithful? And, and, and Satan begins to badmouth uh, God. He begins to badmouth Job. And, and Job says to the Lord, basically paraphrasing, if you, you know, if you let me persecute him, he's not going to be so faithful. And you know, sometimes Satan in, in that realm is right. Sometimes when we have the least amount of persecution or trials or storms, we show a lack of faith sometimes. So sometimes in that realm, Satan is correct. But in this realm, Satan is incorrect. So God, through his divine will, his divine plan for Job's life, he allows Satan to buffet him. He allows a, a great storm to arise in his life. He allows for death and destruction to happen in his life. And that brings us to verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery. Now up to this point, the family is gone except for his wife. The, the, the farm animals are gone. The property is gone. The house is gone. The storm has, has already hidden. And, and this is the, the physical pain that Job is going to go through. So it says, then Job took, in verse 8, took a piece of, of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. And he was correct. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In, this, in all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the, uh, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that, he had, uh, that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. They sat uh, on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Let's talk about this trial. Let's talk about what we're seeing in this text. You know the story of Job. If you read the preceding chapter, you, you know that just a great storm has arisen in his life. And, and this is the result of this storm. This is the result of, 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 of his suffering and, and what he goes through. I think one of the things, most importantly, that this reminds me as a born-again Christian is that even though I accept Jesus, it doesn't mean I'm not going to be susceptible to storms in my life. In fact, quite often as we are faithful and show our faithfulness to God, storms arise even more. When you are not serving God, you are not a threat to Satan. But when you decide to serve God and be faithful in the things of the Lord, everything's going to rise in your life from time, from finances, from commitment, from priorities. Satan is going to do everything he can to get you to change your priorities away from the things of the Lord and back to the things of this earth. Up until this point, Job had anything and everything. 
that he would ever need. Yet he was still a faithful servant of God. God allows his life to be tested by Satan. He loses everything physical and his children. And yet at this point, even when his wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? The Bible says that he did not say anything that sinned against God. He never did curse God. He did curse the day he was born later on in Scripture, but he never cursed God as he suffered. I want you to realize, and, 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 and I, as I begin to think about this as a pastor with all the destruction that we see in our world and, and everything we see, people are questioning, about, questioning the reality of God. Where, where is God in, in, in all of this? God's in a lot of the things, isn't he? He's, he's in the caretakers. He's in the hospital workers. He's in, he's in the rescue squads. He's in the Navy that's waiting offshore to, uh, with, with dozens of ships to, to bring people aboard if they have no homes and they need to be fed. He's in all of those aspects. God has never left Florida. He never left Houston. And he's never left here. Amen? And by the way, he never left Job. He was always with Job. So what does that reveal to us? First of all, look at number one on our screen. Trials will challenge your faith. Understand, it wasn't just Job that went through this, but Job's wife. She went through the loss of her children. She went through the loss of her wealth as well. Now, she may not have this, uh, you know, her skin affected from the tips of her toes to the crown of her head like Job does, but she's suffering as well, isn't she? We forget about that. We don't always say bright things when we're suffering, do we? We, we have a tendency to question God when we're going through the suffering. Say, God, why me? And God says, why not you? Why not you? I, I think we think that because we do something bad, God brings suffering our way. Actually, sometimes it's quite the contrary. Job wasn't sinning against God. The Bible says it. Job was a faithful sinner, yet Job lost everything, didn't he? Why not Job? And in Job's response to his wife, he's basically saying, why not me? And I'm grossly paraphrasing that. But you could see his response to her comment to, her, to him. Trials will challenge your faith according to verse 9. His faith was challenged, but also the faith of his wife in verse 9. Save your integrity. Save your indignity. Why don't you just curse God and, and, and die? And I know as a pastor, I've been giving her a hard time for 28 years of, of preaching this sermon. I'd say, well, you know, if she was closer to God, if she was ungodly, she would say such stupid things. But have you ever found yourself saying something stupid when you were going through something difficult? Oh, you may not have verbalized it, but maybe you have wondered, where is God in, in my situation Myself. We've all been there. We, we don't ever want to admit that. At least Job's wife was willing to admit that verbally. It's not really what Job needed to hear, <laughs> but it's what she said. So we understand that trials will challenge your faith. Job was first attacked in the area of his faith. This is always the way it is with tri trials. We must not allow what others might say about our troubles to draw us away from our faith. God is alive. Amen? 
God's not dead. He is alive. Listen, learn to rest upon the unchanging promises of God. You can count on the Lord to do as he promises. He is faithful to his promises. So trials will challenge your faith. Look at number two. Trials will change your face according to verse 12. Look what verse 12 says. It says, when they saw him, their their friends from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. When Job's three friends arrived, they didn't recognize old Job. He looked so bad to them that he seemed like another person. And listen, your trials will do the same to you if you allow it to. They rob you of your joy. They steal your smile. The devil desires you to become bitter and mad at God during your trials. The devil desires to squash your faith. Don't let him do it. Weeping must be turned into joy, amen? Don't lose your joy over your circumstances. We pray, obviously, first of all, for the safety of those affected by these storms. But we ought to be praying just as much that thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because they finally recognize they can't save themselves. Only God saves. Let this be a storm of redemption for them. Let this be a storm that, yes, they remember, but a storm that literally changed their perspective on spiritual things. Because storms will do that. Amen? It'll either draw you to God or it'll draw you away from God. There will be those affected by this this storm in Florida today and the fires in the northwest and, 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 and in Houston, the flooding that is still there and the people that are still living in, in unfamiliar beds. Uh, it, it will affect them. They'll begin to question God. Don't let your trials sap your joy. Doesn't mean Joy doesn't mean you're always going to have a smile on your face. So trials will change your face. They will change you physically. I'll never forget. The first church I ever pastored, I hadn't done a funeral in that church yet. Wasn't used to doing funerals. A sweet little old lady. And very faithful in the things of the Lord. She had cancer years before we got there. And Donna and I took her and her husband to a a checkup at her oncologist's office in St. George, Utah. I'll never forget. We were all laughing and joking and smiling and just kind of having a good time on the way. Uh, She had asked that we be in the room when the doctor talked to her, so Donna and I sat in the room as well with her and with her husband. The doctor came out and, and said, Mrs. Basford, you have terminal cancer. You have about six weeks, six months to live. Now the trip to the hospital, to the doctor's office, was like any other day. Just praising God, thanking God, and and Mrs. Bassard, just a, a, a sweet woman. My prayer was, don't allow her to be my first funeral at that church. She wasn't. Another man in our church died. I'm sorry for the other man dying first. I didn't want that to happen. Uh, but uh, 
about six months later, I did her funeral. But something unique happened that I had never seen before happen. The, the, the sweetness and the countenance and the godliness of this woman. And, and don't misunderstand, she was still a godly woman when we drove home. But when we put her in the back seat of our car and drove her and her husband back to their home in, in uh, Laverkin, Utah, which is the next town next to Hurricane, Utah, she didn't say a word. Lee, her husband, didn't say a word. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot to say. There wasn't a whole lot we could say as we're driving her about 15 miles to her home. She never said a word in the car. We got her into the car. She went into bed. And for six months she stayed in bed. She still loved Jesus. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But she allowed it to physically affect the next six months of her life. She gave up. She quit. And it was probably a little less than six months that she passed away. She succumbed to her disease. Now, listen, I, I'm not saying right or wrong, um, but I could see that physically it immediately, one statement from a doctor immediately changed her. And she was never the same after that. Now, she appreciated my daily and sometimes three in the morning visits when she was in pain. God allowed me to go in and pray for her and somehow it just seemed to ease the pain, that prayer. And then I'd go home and go back to bed and go see her the next day. And, and, but she suffered a, a, a great deal. But I saw what it did to her physically. It seemed to take her joy away. Back from that point on, she was never back in church until the day we buried her. Trials will sap your joy. They'll change your countenance. They'll even change you physically. Look at number three. Trials will reveal the character of your friends. When Job's friends came, they did not come with any words of encouragement for Job's suffering. In fact, Eliphaz is a friend who, who had been there and done that in his response to Job. Oh, listen, he's the friend that says, I've been there, I've gone through what you've gone through. That's Eliphaz. That was his response. Bildad says that all of these things happened to Job because he was bad, because Job was a sinner. That was the spiritual advice that these friends gave. Zophar, he looked at the situation and simply tells Job he needs to repent. And that's why you've gone through this, Job. Elihu, he just preaches to Job, but it, but it really is no help to him. In fact, in the text that we read, the, really the best things they did was just to listen and not say anything. But after the listening is over, they start telling him, this is why this happened. This happened because of this. This happened because this. Or, or Eliphaz is the kind of guy that says, hey, you know what, Job? That happened to me too. You ever have that? You've gone through something? You know what? I've gone through it. I know what you're going through. Listen, you're never going to hear me tell you that I know what you're going through because I have no idea what you're going through. You will never hear that out of my mouth or my wife's mouth. We will never tell you we know what you're going through because we've been there. I have no clue what you're going through. I know you're in pain. I know you're suffering. I, I, I know your faith is being tested. I just want you to know I'll be there for you. That's what a friend does. 
The trials of, of Job revealed the character of Job's friends. Now, I know they, they meant well. But it still hurts. Amen? We lose a loved one. We say, well, your loved one's in a better place. Well, theoretically, if they're Christian, yes, that's true. But that doesn't really make that person feel better. They still have the pain of losing that loved one. I really think the greatest thing we could tell those that have had a loss or suffering, I want you to know we're here for you. We love you. I have no idea what you're going through, but we're willing to go through it with you if need be. We'll be there for you. Listen, good advice is good advice, but it's not always correct advice. Learn to lean on Jesus for the answers as you as you suffer. And, and listen, I know that most people do mean well when they're trying to, to, to give advice. So don't over-respond. Don't overreact if you're suffering to their comments because they do mean well. Look at number four. Trials will confirm your foundations. I want you to turn to chapter 42, the last chapter in Job, starting in verse 10. This, uh, th this is the end result of everything that Job is going through. All the suffering, all the physical pain he's going through, all of the ridiculous advice he's getting from his friends, all of his loss, you get to chapter 42. I love chapter 42 because it reminds me of the book of Revelation. You get to the end of the book, the last couple of chapters, and Revelation gets good. But there's a lot that happens in between, isn't there? That's kind of what life is, isn't there? There's a lot of life that happens in between the birth and, and, and the death, isn't there? Look at verse 10 through verse 17 of Job chapter 42. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold piece. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter, her name was uh, uh, Jemiah. And you go so forth and so forth down to verse 15. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father granted them in an inheritance along with their uh, brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years. He lived 140 more years beyond his original suffering. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation, and so he died and was old and full of years. Full of years. Job experienced it, didn't he? In the end, Job was restored to the station that he previously held. God gave it all back. His health, 
his finances, his family, and his relationship with his wife. He had more children after he lost his original children. Life, listen, life never goes as it is planned. But it also does not catch God off guard. God knows what's going on. God can take the worst and turn it into the best. I pray that Florida and Houston and those that are affected by these fires will turn out somehow better for it. Not just putting up new buildings, but putting their faith on a firmer foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Yes, storms will arise, but the results of life's trials is dependent upon you today. First of all, I don't know how anybody could go through what these people are going through and not know Jesus. I don't know how they could do that. I've done many funerals. I've done some funerals of, of people who were not believers. I don't know how families can, can, can go on and, and move on and, or where the, the, the remaining of the family were not Christians. And, and, and you can just see it, an absolute different tone during a funeral service when the family sitting there are not believers and they're, you know, it, it makes me want to weep for them because there's such, there's such pain in their hearts and, and they have no outlet for, for recovery because they don't know Jesus. They don't know the one that can comfort them. And then I've, I've done the ones where the parents and the loved ones were Christians. And even though they hurt and their pain is great and they're suffering greatly, they have the touch from God that they need when they need it that we can't possibly give them, but that only He can give. What is your storm today? What is going to be the results of your storm today? Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost a relationship. Maybe you've lost in the homes. They've lost a child. I could not imagine losing a child. I, I have no idea what they could possibly, the homes, be going through right now. But I've got to imagine that they're in pain right now. So my prayer for them is that God would, would just take them in His hands and give them comfort. I can't possibly do that. You can't do that. But God can. Have you been hit by a storm lately? Trust the one that allowed that storm in your life. Maybe he needed to get your attention. Maybe he needed to redirect your priorities. Maybe he needed to draw you closer to him through that storm. How are you going to respond when the trials come? First of all, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as Savior, you're already in a storm. You don't know it. You don't see it. According to God's Word, you're spiritually separated from God's love today because you haven't received the Son of God who love, loves you and gave Himself for you. How could you go through life's trials, even victories, without Jesus in your life? I'm not saying that to be critical or demeaning because I was just like you if you're here today like that. There was a time in my life as an adult that I didn't know Jesus. And I can't imagine going through the loss of, of losing two sisters and, 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 and seeing other things, that storms that have arisen in my life without Jesus. 
So maybe you need to come to salvation in Jesus. Maybe you're going through a storm today and you just need to come to this altar for prayer. Maybe you need to come to your pastor for prayer. This, this microphone will be off when I stand down there if you come forward. Let me pray with you. I know some of you have loved ones in Florida and in Texas that are right now even being affected and you're, you're concerned about them. Get to this altar and pray for them. Yes, I know that you've already prayed uh, and I understand you can pray even where you're sitting or standing today. But sometimes it means extra just to come to this altar and just take a minute or two and get on our knees and say, God, without you, there'd be no hope. Maybe you're looking for a church home. I'd like to talk to you about church membership. Maybe you haven't followed the Lord and believers' baptism. You need to get that taken care of, my friend. Be faithful in what God has called you to be obedient to so that he can entrust you with even greater things in your life. Let's stand. I'm going to ask the praise team to come forward as they come. I want to have a, just a short season of prayer with you and, and challenge you if you have a need to, to come forward. This is an opportunity for you to, to make something right before God or maybe come to know Jesus in a personal way. This does not affect me in the least bit. It affects you if God is calling you. If he calls me, then he'll call me, and he'll deal with me his own way. But we don't do this for you because I'm asking you to come forward. We do this because God may be speaking to your heart. And this is an opportunity either to receive Jesus or, or to come and pray before we go home today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. You're an awesome God. Even through the storms of life, you, you're, even while that wind is blowing right now, even as we pray to you right now, God, you're in Florida. You're there in the hearts of other believers. And we pray for Florida and, and, and other areas that are affected, fires and floods and tornadoes and the other things that can happen. But not just that, just the everyday trials that we go through. Lord, if there's one in this building that, that needs to receive you as Savior, may they let go of their pride and may they, they come to this altar and say, I want to get saved. Maybe there's others who need to come to this altar and say, God, I, I got something I need to talk to you about and get on their knees before you. Maybe someone's looking for a church home. Maybe someone here today, Lord, needs to be baptized. Lord, whatever you need to do, in all of our hearts today, I pray that you will have a free reign. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the praise team sings, you come as God leads you this morning. May God bless you.